1: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the Football Digest podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. New year, new show. And it's lovely to have you back with us and nice to be back with you. Um, I'm John Cross of The Daily Mirror. Joining me is Chris McKenna from The Daily Star, Andy Dunn, my colleague from The Daily Mirror as well. Nice to see you guys, thanks so much for joining. And there's already so much to, to look at, isn't there? It seems like an eternity ago. We were all at the um, at the World Cup together. And yet it seems like absolutely yesterday, all at the same time. Because as soon as the football came back in this country, we knew it would sweep us up. And so much happening with the title race, the FA Cup weekend this weekend. Um, Everton, what on earth is going on there? Arsenal they couldn't win the league, could they? And also we'll be paying a tribute also to the... Um, the former uh, West Ham co-chairman, David Gold, who was so passionate about the game, so passionate about football and sport in this country as well. So we uh, certainly say some words about him. Um, But guys, let's start, shall we, about um, Arsenal and the um, title challenge and what might come next. Blimey, I'm feeling the frustrations um, of Arsenal fans, really, after a nil-nil draw against Newcastle, which put them um eight points clear didn't it which i have to say says (laughs) says frankly everything you need to know about raised expectations at the emirates but andy let's let's start with you shall we what about the mentality change for the gunners i mean it's incredible isn't it they're basically no longer happy to be kind of you know just challengers but they're really determined to to carry on and win this title aren't they can they do it Uh, yes they can do it i mean i've been saying that for a while and the mentality change
0: comes from the fact that you, you know it's not. You can't you can't get to this stage and then deny that you're not you know um, favourites for the title. Essentially, I'm 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 pretty sure they're probably still not actual favourites with the bookmakers, but they should be favourites because you can't get to the stage where mathematically you're in a situation where you've been winning a lot of games against teams that you know that you should beat in theory, and and they're showing no signs. Listen, a point against Newcastle. I understand the frustration to a certain extent. But, you know, Newcastle are one of the best sides I've seen this season. So, you know, it, it, it's a good point against a well-organised team. But when you look at it, you think, he, and, and Pep Guardiola, interest I'm sure, will come on to it when he was talking about Arsenal and about um, Mikel Arteta. You know, he said, well, at this rate, you know, they're on for 100 points. Now, I don't think anyone believes Arsenal will get 100 points. But the fact of the matter is, is that they are doing the job against teams that they should be doing the job against. And by that account, even if they were to slip up against Man City, for example, in the two games they've got head to head with Pep's side, then they can still win the title. You know, the title is, you're getting to the stage when you get to this halfway point, it's fair to say if a side has got that sort of lead, you know, which might be down to five after tonight. But still, if you've got a relatively significant lead, you're at the point when you get beyond halfway to say it's yours to lose. That of course brings with it all the added pressures, all the all the mind games then come in, and then you know the pressures on. But there's nothing to suggest that their form is is, is going to taper off at, at, at any at any stage. Um, and obviously a very busy period coming up um, and with some you know big games coming up. But the balance have bit I mean North London Derby coming up soon. Um, but listen, you know, Man United has become a big game, but there's nothing absolutely nothing, and there was nothing in that goalless draw to suggest that they are in any way they're gonna fall off a cliff because they're not. So, with the lead they've got at the moment and the, the wins, I mean, don't forget, you know, the game they lost. Um, at um, Old Trafford earlier this season. I mean, you know, I was at that game, and, and they were very unfortunate to lose that game. So this is a side with incredible consistency at the moment, and key players playing very well, and a spine of a team that is that, that is superb. Good goalkeeper, great centre half, great centre half partnership, and you know midfielders, you know, in the shape of people like Odegaard now taking charge of games, um, and and also younger players standing up to be counted. So there's everything to be positive for them about.
1: Chris, I was, at, I was at the Emirates the other night, and it was really noticeable, wasn't it? There was a sort of a sideshow going on between Arteta and, and Eddie Howe. And I, I wonder, on the back of that, you know, Arteta rightly took quite a lot of stick for his, you know, touch on histrionics, didn't he, really? Because he completely lost it. Did you, I mean, you know, let's go back to basics. Did you think either were a penalty? But also, did you think that, you know, is that a sign of a little bit of pressure getting to Arteta? Because he's had it all his own way. It was the first time they hadn't won a Premier League game at home all season. You know, fair play to Newcastle. They stopped him, you know, in, in their tracks on that record. But is that the first sign of a little bit of pressure getting to Arteta? Because he's been a different animal, I think, on the touchline this season.
2: Yeah, he's been been different this season, but he has got history on it. I remember a Liverpool game a a a couple of seasons ago at Anfield and Arsenal were on top on it and then he kind of had this little row at Klopp and then Arsenal kind of lost away in the game a bit. And I I did wonder if that was similar, was that kind of coming out onto the players the other night? But it's hard to say that. It's a one game, it was a big game. It was Newcastle, I know, are in that mix so you have to say it's a top-of-the-table kind of clash. So that was hard. Were they penalties? I think the shoot-pull was a penalty. I think the handball would would have been extremely harsh to give. Um, And I think if you flip it on the other way, would Arsenal have been happy if it was given against them? Certainly not. Um, But, yeah, I think these kind of title races, and it all comes down to we've had them for years with, with Ferguson and all of that, the mind games and not showing any kind of mental weakness on the touchline in press conferences or whatever. And that's going to be now the next challenge, I suppose, for Arteta. He's done such a brilliant job in in developing this Arsenal side. They're probably ahead of schedule where they thought they were going to be. But this is a huge opportunity for them because City may be not at their best. In the next two years, Newcastle are going to be even stronger. Liverpool may come again. It, it, this is a, a door is open this season and they have to kind of they have to grasp it because it's it's not that it's now or never I'm sure they will continue developing into a good team and a better team but when these opportunities present themselves you've got to take them I think mean, Tottenham didn't do that when they uh, the year Leicester won it and I think they suffered then on, on the back of that um so it's kind of now the mentality that's going to be the big thing you say as Andy mentioned these big games are coming up and Yes, even if they do drop points, they won't be out of the race, but psychologically will that have an effect on them if they allow City to really close the gap on them, um, But if they can pick up wins, if they could beat Tottenham, if they could beat United and maybe get a draw at City, the position they will be in then, they will be red-hot favourites. So although it, it's one of those periods that may not end the title hopes, it's certainly one that can kind of really, really, really boost them, so it's a huge period, and maybe Arteta was feeling a little bit of that pressure because that would have been a great way to start this period by beating Newcastle, the, one of the informed teams at home. So maybe it did get to him, but the bigger challenges are to come and, and we'll kind of see more from him, I think, in, and how kind of good he is over the next month.
1: Mm. What, what, what's changed, Andy? What, what, what's changed in the Arsenal makeup from last season to this when... Last season, let's be honest, they they blew up, didn't they? They kind of couldn't handle that pressure. They they, they were out of the top four. And then this season, the runaway leaders. It's, it's Even I find it absolutely crazy. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it, it's sli- slightly, I wouldn't say mystifying, but, you
0: know, the, the, these things. I mean, I, I, listen, what's changed is that Arteta is longer into the job and Arteta is putting his stamp um, on matters. You know, we've seen the way he's dealt with some senior players, um, that he he now feels empowered, he feels confident. Um, I mean, fair, you know, credit to to, to the Arsenal board who, who've backed him in that sense. And in a way, you know, when you've got that confidence, it, I guess it transmits to the players. You've also got players who've just, you know, in individual players who've stood up. You know, I mean, Saliba has been absolutely fantastic, as I mentioned before. Odegaard is is establishing himself as a world class midfielder. You know, a, a midfielder. Who it's very you know early days, but is you know getting comparisons with the likes of Kevin de Bruyne, you know, and players like players are maturing another year. Bukayo Saka, you know, another year older, um, you know, a, a fully fledged international, and he's learning, and it's all it's all coming together. You know, bear in mind also, obviously, listen, uh, he's injured now, but you know, clearly the um, ironically now and now we're talking about a head to head a possible head-to-head between Arsenal and Man City. Ironically, of course, you know, you know, City have contributed in the sense that they sold Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Zinchenko to, to Arsenal. And you've got to admit, I think maybe their impact has been a little bit overstated. Um, but certainly they have had a positive impact. And Jesus certainly had a positive impact at the start of the season. Don't forget, he contributed so much to the victories early on in the season that have given Arsenal this confidence. It's a team full of confidence, isn't it? You can see that. It's a team, it's a youthful team full of youthful exuberance and confidence. You know, and you see that in players like Martinelli and, and, and Saka, and and you get that from winning games. And Jesus in particular, Zinchenko to a lesser extent were important to that. And that's ironic because as I say, we now might... Look at it. It might develop into Arsenal-Man City. I mean, I don't think it will because, you know, there's other teams around there. That's the beauty it's going to be, is that other teams will take points off each other. Newcastle, a resurgent Manchester United. Liverpool, you would expect it to step up. Um, Spurs, who, who won 4-0 last night. Um, so it, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a head-to-head. But if it did, that the ironic thing is that when City sold... Jesus and Zinchenko to, man, uh, to Arsenal. I actually thought, you know, it was sort of indicative of where Arsenal were at in the city um, where actually quite prepared to sell to certain players who they knew would probably be key to Arsenal were prepared to do it because they didn't realistically, they didn't see Arsenal as realistic um, title rivals. Well, as it happens, what they've done is they've helped Arsenal become that. Um, and as I say, and I know it's an overused word, but momentum, I mean, seriously, momentum is the be-all, well, not the be-all end-all, but it's so crucial. And Arsenal got that from early in the season. It's filled them full of confidence. And now, you know, they're winning games. You know, I thought the res- the results of Brighton, look how good that's turned out to be when you, when you look at some of the results Brighton get. It just builds up that confidence. A
1: good goalkeeper as well helps. Yeah, do you know? Do you know what Andy? I, I, I actually think he's had a little, little bit of a, little bit of a dip. Actually, you know, he's been, he's been absolutely stupid. Please don't get me wrong, but I, you know, just makes you the, the, the old wicket, which he just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't doing. I'm sure, I'm sure we eradicate that from his game. But he's been, he's been a massive plus point as, as a You know, I don't know Zinchenko, he's us as, you, as as you rightly say. I mean, the, you know, Ramsdale has been such a positive. You know, Jack has been an incredible reinvention. Um, you know, story really hasn't he? But I mean, Chris, you know, Saka, that you know, has really taken his form from the World Cup. You know, the people making these sort of kind of leaps that he's he's grown about six inches <laughs> since the World Cup. He's just taken that, uh, you know, confidence hasn't he from from playing being such a central part of it uh, of the England, you know, campaign. You know, he, he's such a good player, isn't he? You know, and he's he, he's going from strength to strength.
2: Yeah, as somebody who is short, I, I'd like to know how you can, can you blow well. Well, you
1: could always persuade Gareth to give you a game. <laughs> you are welcome. Yeah, no, he,
2: he, he was obviously very, very good in the World Cup. And and yeah, he, he, he seems to be a player that, that also, as you say, thrives on confidence. But he's playing now in an arson side, which has got better players around him. And I think he's also benefiting than that. Because that's one of the things that helped him at England playing with those better players and that's helped him come on and now he's doing that more and more with Arsenal and he just seems like one of those players now that when he gets on the ball people get excited um, because they feel like something's going to happen um, and he's got a knack of of being in the right places as well we've seen that in, in, the, in the early goal he scored against Brighton but yeah he's one of those players now I think that when, when he gets on the ball Arsenal fans get excited and maybe over the last few years they haven't had many of those and um, him and Martinelli are kind of those players now where you go right they're on the ball something's going to happen and and with that 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 causes defenses problems because when a stadium is sensing something's going to happen I'm sure a defense is starting to worry about what's going to happen and who are they going to find or who are they going to run at um but yeah he's 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 a great player and it, it must Gives them so much pride that he's kind of a player that's come through their system as well. That's being so central to this kind of title charge, but he's only going to get better as well. That's the other thing, and that's the that's the good thing for Arsenal, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Andy. The um, you know the question is, can they last the distance? And and I guess also, how important is this? You know, as we, as we finish our chat on our, but how important is this? Um, is this window as well you know do they need another couple to kind of help them lead, last the distance because that I'll tell you that squad is thin you know, they're, they're doing brilliantly but the squad is thin isn't it
0: um, it's yeah it's thin
1: relative you know to say
0: you look at a Manchester City squad or even a Manchester United squad it's it, it's it's relatively thin plus the, obviously the injury to Jesus might crystallise a few thoughts listen I think they are in a situation John where if they don't get anyone, I don't think it's the biggest disaster. Um, um, but if they could, I think I think it would be a good idea. But it has to be the right person. You know, you, what you've got there at the moment is people stepping up to the plates, you know. Idean stepped up to the plate here um, the other day. Um, do you take away that option, you know, with the risk of getting in someone um who may be, you know, not a not a panic buyer, obviously not, but you might not necessarily need long-term. I think it's got to be about, you know, I know what Chris is saying about like, you know, this is an opportunity for Arsenal this season, but I do get the impression that from the nature of the the, the squad and what Arteta is doing and what's happening behind the scenes, I do get that this is, you know, for want of a better phrase, a long-term project. I mean, clearly with the side, the makeup of the side as it is, this side should, should only get better. So, Yes, they can maintain it, even if they don't get any other players in. You see, the thing is, I, I look at the fixture list, and we're we're right to, to highlight the fact that they've still got City to play twice. They've got a tough spell of games coming up. They've got um, at Spurs, isn't it? The North London Derby in a, in a, in a, a week on Saturday or Sunday, wherever it is. Um, we're, we're right to highlight that, but just as I said before, I just think now it's it's going to be a slightly different season in that you've got. In essence, sort of Arsenal and Newcastle are sort of, you would call interlopers into this, into the top four, five, six at the moment. And you're going to have teams taking points off each other all the time. So even if you don't beat City, there's a chance City will drop points. There's a chance City will drop points tonight at Stamford Bridge. You know, there's a chance City will drop points against Manchester United at Old Trafford on Saturday week. Um, Chelsea will beat teams. Liverpool, as Klopp has said, will make a nuisance of themselves. They'll beat teams. So people will be taking points off each other. So in other words, when Pep talks about 100 points for the Arsenal, no, they're not going to get those. But do I think 100 points is needed to win this title? No, I think this will be lower. I think this will be lower than last season, lower than um, the season before, and lower than the 90-odd points that we've seen City winning the title with. So can they do it? Yes, absolutely they can. Do they need to buy? Helpful if they did. Not necessary though.
1: Interesting, interesting. Let's see. Interesting, uh, interesting times ahead. I'll tell you what, we'll talk about sort of, you know, Arsenal getting a um, fantastic, you know, lot of praise this season and rightly so for, for, for the job that Arteta has done. But I wouldn't say quietly, but almost creeping up on the rails, Chris, is, is, is Eric Ten Hag, isn't it, at Man United? Because... You know, it was such a, a, a slow start, that home defeat, you know, that battering at Brentford. You think, where is this going? You know, can he turn it around? But I tell you, he's doing an impressive job, isn't he? With a similar group of players, obviously quite a few, not- you know, one or two notable tweaks, but probably not as much business or, or the players that he wanted. But the job he's doing is really impressive and it it leaves you thinking they can really, they could actually get into the top 4 which i think at the start of the season you know would have been a very very welcome you know prospect i think for man united fans wouldn't
2: it yeah definitely i don't think manchester united you know, can do anything quietly given the size of them but there's always eyes on them and he's, it that i think makes it more impressive in the job that he's doing because he's he's keeping it he's doing it his way he's not listening to the outside noises um that disastrous start and people were going straight away, or well, should have gone for Pochettino, is he like he's what's he done? He's only being at Ajax, blah, blah, blah. And those those still might come true because the wheels can always come off. But it it's been so kind of I suppose measured in how he's done it. He he's He's done it his way. Yes, he's spent big money. Anthony, I think that's the one kind of one w- which could be big on him is that Anthony signing because it seems to be he was one he really pushed for. It was a lot of money. And he's had his flashes so far, but he's maybe not really delivered yet. But it, it could take time He's a young player and that. That'll be one. Well, everything else he seems to, to touch has worked. He, he's handled discipline issues brilliantly. I thought he handled the whole Ronaldo situation, which could have really, really taken taken control there. And I think there was in the past a lot of cliques in the dressing room and a lot of player power, which was a problem for managers since Ferguson left. And and he's just taken that and gone, no, it's my way and it's this way. And that's how it works. I think he's harsh, hard but fair. And I think he showed that with Ronaldo. When he stormed off against Tottenham, he suspended him. And he brought him back, gave him the captain's armband. It wasn't like you're banished now; you're gone. Um, maybe he was thinking it'd be great if he did go because he's such a big ego and player. But he didn't let it blow up, and I think that was a, a great sign of the kind of the stature of him. And, and little things that that kind of him, And it's such a like a nonsense thing, but it showed that he wasn't afraid to make changes. When he came in, he says, "I'm going to move the dugouts." Now that's a nothing thing; it's not going to make a difference really apart from the fact that he says he can get down the tunnel a little quicker. But to to me, it just showed like somebody who's like, All right, I can come in here and I'll make changes. There might be a way of doing things, but it's going to be my way. And he set that tone from the start, and I think that's really helped. But it's a massive work in progress. There's still kind of jumps to be made. And and the first one is getting into the Champions League and, and what that can help them do in the summer then to kind of build again and, and go again. Because at the end of the day, getting in the Champions League is the first step. but if he's going to be a success at Man United, they have to be winning big trophies.
1: Yeah. I, I, Andy, I think Chris raises such a good point there about, about Cristiano Ronaldo. His hand, and I mean, we could talk about <laughs> Rashford oversleeping and kind of, you know, him handling that well. But his hand in of the Ronaldo thing was, I thought, a, a, a masterclass, frankly. You know, he, he's done it. He's, he's done it well, Ten Haal, because Ronaldo is such a such a huge issue. And yeah, I think Man United fans, even the most loyal Cristiano Ronaldo admirers, basically have left, been left thinking he's, he's sullied himself. He's basically, he's kind of tarnished his reputation really here. I, I I I think it's such a, you know, shame the way it's ended for Ronaldo. You know, I really, really do. I think he's, you know, came come out of it making himself look, you know, a parody, basically, is like ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous figure, um and handled it really badly. But if there's one person that's been strengthened and emboldened, and almost stood with dignity against Ronaldo's ridiculous claims against against him, it's it's Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. To be fair, um, yeah, I'll oh, let's have a proper row and Andy.
0: Well, no, listen, listen. <laughs> I, I agree with you that he comes out of it well. And Ten Hag, without a doubt, he comes out well. United are winning. Ronaldo finds himself, you know, basically going to Saudi Arabia, which appears to be the only you know club that he'd get realistically. um So Ten Hag's come out so well, they're winning games with without him. But I think half of it, half of it was good judgment, half of it was was luck. I mean, I mean, let's face it now. I mean, let Chris Chris referenced it. I mean, the guy Ronaldo left left, left Old Trafford before before the game was over when he was substitute. And and you're not trying to tell me now you can with hindsight was it some sort of masterstroke to make him captain uh, a, a couple of games later? Well, I'd say what happened in that game they got beat, you know, and, and they they got beat at Aston Villa in a performance that was that was labelled unacceptable by Ten Hag. I didn't I didn't agree with him being named captain. You know, a couple of games later after storming off um, um, in that game against Was it Spurs? So, and I do think that the he may be. Um, he half-indulged Ronaldo at times. Um, and, and as I say, it, it all came right in the end because, you know, Ronaldo was hoisted by his own petard to a certain extent. You know, his position became untenable when he gave that that long interview and basically, you know, um, showed a huge amount of disrespect to Manchester United and to Eric Ten Hag. And from then on, of course, I think Ronaldo knew his position was um, untenable. So on the Ronaldo instant, in, in the Ronaldo case, um. Did it was that brilliant man management? Was that brilliant management? Um, I'd say it was half and half. I mean, I, I would say he, he, it was as much by um fortune design, it worked out how it did. What the one I would prefer to say was really good, really clear, strong management was was Harry Maguire. Now, those first two games that you referenced, I was at both of those games the defeat to Brighton at home. And the um, and the humiliation at Brentford, and I remember a half time at Brentford, you're four 0 down, and uh, Maguire was playing alongside Martinez, and he took Martinez off, um, and he he left Maguire on. He took, I think he took three players off. He could, yeah, obviously he could have taken anyone off, but what was really interesting about that, I thought, well, that, 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 and what you then subsequently hear, because it was harsh, because Martinez was, was playing better than Maguire was. Maguire was having a shock it what was interesting that you subsequently heard was that, was that, you know, Ten Hag then said to Martinez, listen, I could have taken anyone off. You know, I'm, well, listen realistically, we were not going to win that game and I could have taken anyone off. But taking the club captain off after 45 minutes of only, his, of only the second game in charge would have created, a, in a way, an unnecessary furore about it. But, so in the same breath, he also assured Martinez that, listen, you know, for the next game, I think it was probably, I think it might have been Liverpool, a home, or, or whatever it was, you know, listen, my partnership going forward is you and Varane. And that is my partnership going forward. And so it's proved, you know, and that, to me, was just a great piece of management. Basically, not not humiliating Maguire, but making it clear that, hang on, this is my partnership now. And now what you've got is a very good partnership. Okay, um, now, now currently disrupted um, through availability, but then what you've got now is, is 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 also judging from the World Cup and judging from the other nights, you've got a remotivated, you know, a motivated Harry Maguire. Now maybe that, you know, he eventually gets rid of Harry Maguire, but now he's got options at centre half. I mean, he's even played Luke Shaw there, and to me, he's just handled the whole situation perfectly. You know, he hasn't been, and, and to me, that he's been faultless in the way he's dealt with the Harry Maguire situation, the Ronaldo situation. I think he, he got a little bit lucky on, but um in that set sense, and in the rashford sense, I think he's been he, he's he's shown that, that you know he's he's clear um, he's strong in, in what he thinks, and he also speaks well you know what what it did like was when they did get beaten in that game at Villa Park i mean I'm not sure I think that was probably their last defeat um I was at the game, and again after the game, what it did like was that was that he didn't you know he didn't he didn't pull any punches you know he labeled it unacceptable. No, and this was a team that were on a good run going into then. And 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 he doesn't he doesn't shy away from criticizing his players in, in a constructive way. And we all know how delicate, you know, flowers they can be, these, these Premier League players. And we all know, like, you know, that when a manager publicly criticized him, the chances are we're all going to turn around and say, you know, oh, he's playing a risky game, you know, publicly criticizing his players. But I think Ten Hag gets the balance right. And listen, he's got a good squad he, again. Like, like, like we mentioned with Arsenal, he's got key players now playing back into form, and you know, I mean, obviously, it goes without saying that the addition of Casemiro was just a, a game changer for them, as as a lot of us thought it would be. Yeah,
1: yeah. Chris, do you think they'll
2: finish? Do you think they'll get a get additions,
1: and B, do you think they'll finish top four?
2: I think, I think the two may be linked because I think they do need to bring in a forward. Um, they play some good good football, they move the ball well, but they're not. They, they do score goals, but I suppose they're not clinical enough. And, and Anthony Martial, this is kind of I think his last kind of goal at this because he he's not really delivered yet. He's had flashes where he looks like the player, then he either gets injured or falls out of form, and he, he he's not really really cutting it. And, and like Rashford scoring goals now, and he's coming in from the outside to score them, and that's kind of helping them, but. They need somebody to replace Ronaldo in a, in a sense, even though he wasn't playing every game. But they need that number nine. But I think the way Ten Hag is talking, it's going to be difficult in January, one because of costs and two because of availability. And they're talking about a loan signing. It's getting that one right because loan signings can 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 be so risky in that you can get a player who's motivated to come in and, and like impress and improve a point, but you can get a player that's maybe been moved out of a club that's not too happy about being moved out and and doesn't come in and do the job so I think if they can get somebody to add a few more goals and give them more options up front then top four is I think they they will nick a spot but I think they might struggle a little if they don't get somebody in but again they're going through a big period the City game is going to be huge in in a week or so so there'll no more then but I think that getting a forward in is crucial they get the forward I, I would back them for the top four if they don't it could be could be a bit dicey for them. Andy, we we must touch on their opponents
1: Friday night, Everton. I mean, yeah, what a you know what a ridiculous soap opera now at Goodison has become, really. Um, you know, lots of analysis. You, you, you yourself and Chris have written it, have written so much in the last few days. And uh, you know, Frank Lampard seems like he's going to survive in the short term. Don't know quite about his long term prospects. Um, but the club behind the scenes, where well, I mean, give us an insight over, over Frank Lampard's future, and then also I guess, I guess, kind of how you see this season paying out because I don't think they expected another relegation scrap, but that's a, that's what they've got, isn't it? Well,
0: I'm not sure when you say they didn't expect it. I, I fully expected it. Absolutely fine. Yeah, I fully expected. Yeah, you and know, and in 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 the predictions at the start of the season, I suggested they will finish there from bottom. And and nothing that I've seen so far um, makes me think that that I'll be massively mistaken in that. Um, in terms of what's happening behind the scenes, I mean, listen. One of the one of the issues is that. Is that you have this the, the the right at the very top of the club? You've got this unusual situation where you've essentially got an absentee owner. Not only absentee in terms of physically, you know, in the, in the, he as far as I understand, he hasn't been to a game well since late twenty twenty one, maybe um, maybe he sneaked into one or two um, um, unannounced, but I'm not sure. Certainly he doesn't go to games anymore. You don't see. But not only is he, is he physically absent. From what I understand, there's not a great deal of direction in terms of of, of getting involved in in, in the actual day to day operations of the club or the direction of the club, um, which leaves a little bit of a void at the top. You know, so he's making decisions. Mashiri makes far Mashiri makes the decisions to 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 hire and fire managers, which he's done on quite a regular basis since he since he bought the club. I mean, ironically, they're talking about Roberto Martinez. Coming back, and he was the first of um, six or seven managers that that um, the that, that machinery has been through. So, so you know, he's the man who will make the decision on front. He'll make the decision in conjunction with. I'm not entirely sure who. Let's put it that way. He'll make it. Um, maybe he'll make it in conjunction with Bill Kenwright, with with um, Denise baxendale with Kevin Thelwell, maybe. More as likely as he'll make it in conjunction with maybe some um, some agents, some super agents who who might be offering him um, replacements for Frank Lampard. But there's that uncertainty. Hence, why we've now got a situation where Lampard will take charge of tomorrow night's game at Old Trafford. But if you were asking me, would I have a bet on Frank Lampard still being in charge um, when they play? Obviously, I mean, no games. No games very winnable for Everton, but this one looks more winnable than a lot of them against Southampton on um Saturday week, considering the situation they're in at the moment and the run of form they're in. Then but if you're asking me will will Lampard still be in charge for that game, um I wouldn't have a bet that he would be. I mean, I'm not gonna turn around here and say he won't be, but um I, I wouldn't put you know, I, I wouldn't put bad money on, on on him still being in charge. But then that sort of reflects the fact that you know, do they want him to stay, or have they just got no one to replace him? And, that, and that's the situation. And that's the that's the um, the void at the top of the uh, at the top of the decision making process. That's the uncertainty. That's the that's a basically then don't really know what they're doing type aspect to it, which has been reflected, John. All I mean, I could go on for about forever every year, but but which has been reflected all the way down the years in terms of strategy, in terms of recruitments, in terms of Recruitments of managers, recruitments of personnel, recruitments of recruitments of recruitment people. You know, and and it, it's it, all, all the way through. It's been it's been it's been muddled. You know, you go from one hand. I mean, this, I, mean I mean, the Benitez appointments. I mean, for goodness sake, you know. I mean, I, I, and the legacy. Then, Benitez gets rid of key personnel within the club, and then he's gone. Like we all knew he'd go, and 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 it's just you 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 want you I mean, maybe get Sam in at some stage to. As a firefighter, but then you want your team playing good football. There's no direction. There's no, there's no discernible plan. You know, I mean, someone came out with a I don't know whether it was Chris or I don't know I read it somewhere. I couldn't possibly claim it for myself, but Chris certainly wrote a piece in this morning's um, newspaper saying about you know the, the, the contrast between Everton and Brighton. Chris wrote a brilliant piece on that today, and 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 I don't I don't know where I read it, but someone did say. You know, the difference between Everton and Brighton over these last you know half dozen years has been that you know one club's got more money than sense and the other club's got more sense than money, um, and that just about. I can't sums claim it. that one. Unfortunately, that's a good line. <laughs> I've gone on this. I've got it. but maybe it was me. I just no, no, I did read that. You know, the
1: other amazing stat on the Brighton, Brighton, um, Everton one was that I think that I think it was um, Paul Joyce in the Times basically said that I think the. Um, I think only two players from Brighton and the Brighton squad had been signed um, uh, before Machir, You know, basically pre machiri So the the point is that Everton have you know splashed all this cash, you know, hundreds of millions of pounds, and basically ended up with a squad that's worse than Brighton's. You know, and that sounds incredibly patronising to Brighton, but you take the point. I mean, it's just Brighton are a well-run club, and you know. <laughs>
0: And that just backs up the idea, you know, more money than sense, and more, more sense than money. And and you know, the surprising thing, you know, is that not only has all that money been spent on players um, that haven't worked out, what you've got, and, and which adds to the problem, um, the problem that Everton have got in terms of the financial fair play cycle, the problem, and, and the problem Everton have got in terms of buying players now is that they are sort of like being kept a strict eye on, but they've got a whole roster of players have got no, you know, they've, they've bought player after player after player who has depreciated in value, you know, and who they're not going to get money for. You know, you know, huge sums of money, that I mean, they're paying for, for players. You know, 20 million on McNeil, well, he's not worth, you know, a quarter of that now. And that's one of the issues in terms of balancing the books is that Everton, Yeah, you know, I mean, listen, if they really were offered 60 million pounds for Anthony Gordon, um, it, it, it lost some then, then black. I, I can't for one minute think it was 60 million cash because it was 60 million cash there you go then sure they would have you know you know, um, snapped the hand off but that's one of the problems that's where the recruitment comes through the other thing just very quickly the other thing is is Everton down the years have, have been proud of their academy rightly so they put a lot of effort, um and they're just not producing enough at the moment they're not producing enough um, good talented young players to come through who will not only help the side, but who will be
1: assets in terms of financial assets going forward. Chris, you 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 see a lot of Frank Lampard up and close and personal. I I, I was covering a lot of Chelsea when uh, sort of the, at the in the end game, shall we say? And and me and Andy will always disagree about the job of work that he did at Chelsea. I thought it was really good. I think all things considered, <laughs> how's he handling the pressure? Do you think he'll? Do you think he'll? You know ride out the next few weeks and I don't know is it the right thing to to, to leave him to do leave him to do that because I mean Everton's a hell of a task in it now moving forward
2: I think it's becoming the impossible kind of job you said it's a soap opera now it's been a soap opera since Machiri bought the club really and, and the, the Lampard he's done some good things don't he? he's, he's had some great performances out of the team but the one issue I think that i look at it, it's like when they brought in kevin Thelwell now to be director of football and the whole idea is that their football style won't change that and when they go for the next manager after Lamp, it'll be well can you tell me what the style of football is on the frank lampard because that's the issue i would have with lampard and he's been great and he's great to deal with and he talks well and he's, he's fantastic and he was obviously a, a great player but it veers from different style to different style. And I know you've got to have tactical tweaks, but I you can't I can't tell from watching Everton now for nearly 12 months under him what the kind of style of football he really wants. And is that down to the players? Is that down to them, him not really getting aggressive? He came in for a relegation fight, so he had to play one way. And that's the kind of message we were told, that this is just right, it's like... It's the big defensive football. It's fighting football. It's not the expansive football I want to see. They haven't really done that either this season, though. And, and there's still the best performances come when they're sitting in and, and scrapping like they did against Man City. The problem with Man City is they get a point and it's like, oh, wow, great, brilliant. But demari Gray scores a wonder goal. It's the same goal he scored against Arsenal last season when everybody caught, that's it, it's done, we're back, it's brilliant. But those goals okay, the, the big players score those big goals, but the, the flukes, in the, not flukes, it's the wrong word for the goal, but this is a stunning goal. But it's like you don't score those goals every game. You have to score other goals. You have to be scoring the regular kind of goals, and they don't do that enough. Um, so I think that's the problem for Lampard. He, I don't think he stamped his style, or what, but what is his style as a manager on this team? And I think that's going to be eventually... I, it's going to be very hard for him to turn this around because I feel like he's only one more bad result away from from going. And how many wins does he have to get for, for that feeling to go? So even if he, okay, you would see the United game as a bit of a free pass as long as they don't get hammered at Old Trafford. If they lost 2-0 and played quite well, there's no not going to be many critics there. Southampton, it goes and wins that. They go and win a few games after that. But then the one more bad defeat then, I think, from it all unfolding. And they've got Arsenal coming up. They've got Liverpool coming up. It's not, it's not the, the, the hardest run with the other games in between, but it's not easy. I, I find it, it's going to be really difficult for it to turn it around. I think Everton need them to turn it around because they don't think they can need another managerial search. The last one for, for it was before the appointed Lampard was just chaos. You had a manager going on Sky Sports News, doing a live interview, pitching for the job. It, it And it just, it just ends up being, it's just a bad look for the club time and time again. They needed to work, can it work? I, I really have my doubts now. Um, I hope he can turn it around, but I just can't see how he does that, do that.
1: No, no, it's it's a worrying, worrying time for Everton fans. Andy, I want to come to you because, you know, down the years, I'm sure, you know, your you have crossed with with David Gold. One thing, one thing that football does really, really well is is you know, pays tributes, uh, very respectful. You know, last night at Leeds, you know, you sort of had flowers in in, in sort of the empty chair, if you if you like. You know, the the the, the tributes paid. You know, we've had lots of tributes, and sort of, you know, periods of applause and minutes silence for Pele. Football does this really well, and and I must say, David Gold. You know, even the most harshest and critical West Ham fans were, were, were still paying tributes to a to a man that they could see love football. I can't particularly claim that. I uh, you know, we had a few sort of you know chats and largely chasing him down the road after a premier league shareholders meeting in which he was always the one that actually you could guarantee that he'd say something because he was a polite man i love that you know he's a nice man and sort of kind of you know spoke passionately he didn't always hit the right note for what west ham fans wanted to hear but clearly did a very good job across the across the board a good a good guy
0: Yes, um, old school. I think you'd say, you know, and and, and all the tributes and paid to him from people who knew him far better than I did. Um, you know, see, unfailingly um, polite in his dealings with us, unfailingly, you know, um, um, communicative. He was he, he, he was fine, and there's no doubt. Listen, I don't particularly. I still, I still don't particularly agree with West Ham. I haven't done what they've done. I'm playing football where they're playing football now. But you can't deny that he was West Ham through and through. You can't deny um, he had a, a fondness for his roots and, and a passion for that club that's shone through. Now, as I said, I don't particularly agree with where, where they've gone, but there is, there's there's no denying that. Um, and also, don't forget, you speak to anyone, you know, and there's a couple of colleagues of ours who are quite close to the club, about, about his contribution to Birmingham City when he was joint owner there. And they have only good words to say, you know, and that, and that is, you know, that's a tough school. So in that sense, as an owner, as a supporter of the staff, you speak to people about how he supports all the staff, you know, not just the manager of the players, but the staff from, from the bottom to the very top. Um, it's unfailingly complimentary about him. As I say, I didn't know him that well. I did deal with him like you. I always found him very, very reasonable and very uh, polite to deal with. And I just think you're right. I think we'll see um, when West Ham pay the, the more full tribute to him. We'll see what what he meant um, to that club. And no matter what you say, as I say, it is it, it's you know football club ownership um, at the Premier League. You know, is it, it, it's it, it's 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 a big tough commercial thing nowadays. Now I think he got the balance right of of. Um, of getting that side right in terms of like um in terms of the ground movement in terms of commercializing West Ham, but he also kept while clearly maximizing their commercial potential um and going forward trying to put their finances on a solid footing. you also got the feeling that you know both him um and his co-owners were still West Ham through and through, which obviously clearly is not the case when you think of you know the investment from various groups who own clubs. You know who aren't seen at games. You know, don't forget, we've got big, big clubs in this in this Premier League, whose owners are never seen at football matches. They were very visible, very West Ham. As and in that point, they were they, they were a touchstone for criticism as well as praise. And as I say, for people who you know him far better than I do, he sounded like you know he he was he was an honourable owner. Um, it will be missed by a lot of people.
1: Yeah, guys. Last but not least, and it's going to be brief sadly, which breaks my heart because the FA Cup is magic. And I love the magic of the FA Cup. We know this. But then basically, it is FA Cup third round weekend this weekend. It's a long weekend, which starts on Friday night, finishes with Oxford Arsenal on Monday night. (laughs) It says on the running order, and I've got to take issue with, with Ned, sorry. Ned, but you know the running order says as the as the cup lost its magic. Basically, all the clubs, big clubs, going to take it as seriously as ever because of the crazy fixture schedule. Ned is a fair point, actually. To be fair, because all the Premier League clubs going to take it seriously. And where's your upset coming now? Look, I, I, I Sheffield Wednesday, Newcastle was one that stood out um, for me. Blackpool Forest, um, you know, is another is another one. Borough, Brighton you know um but there's too many there's too many all premier league ties for me that i think they should i don't know can we find a way to ban them you know crystal palace southampton you know who, i'm not being funny but who, who wants to watch that in the fa cup seriously you know and it's, it's no i'm not being disparaging on either for to either club you know they really did both good clubs but with the magic of the fa cup is not an all premier league tie of liverpool wolverhampton wanderers you know, presumably that's on telly at eight o'clock on, on Saturday night. Who cares? Where is they the magic? Cares? Where is the magic? It's a, rub- it's a rubbish Premier League games, in the, you know, played out because in the FA Cup. Who cares? But hey, listen, I, I,
0: I'm going to the Pearl Wolves and then man says he Chelsea. I mean, and, and I could, I could make a travel head and go, and, and go to Manchester United Everton tomorrow night. But don't you think, see, but don't you think that, I, I know what you're saying, but I mean, you can't the see the magic
1: it. of the cup is the giant killers. It is, but you know it is you, can't, the you, can't, you can't fix the third fourth round weekend the previews. And the, but yes, but you can't fix the draw.
0: And, and on, the, on that list of fixtures, there, there's, there's not many. You know, Boreham Wood is great, but with respect, they're playing Accrington Stanley. So it's it, it, it's it's a game that they they've got a good chance of winning. You know, Akron Stanley should win, but it's not. That doesn't capture the imagination as, as maybe as much as it should. But it will. You know, if Boreham would win. And don't forget then, if you've got Premier League ties, it means that a lot of Premier League clubs are then getting knocked out. So there'll be Man United Everton, there'll be one of those out. Man City, Chelsea, one of those out. Liverpool, Wolves, one of those out. Who would do, as you said, um Palace versus Southampton, Um, one of those. Out. So then the next round becomes, you know, unless you're going to fix the draw. But so, um, no, I agree, I, I, I picked out, I mean, I, I, if I pick one out, I'm looking for. I think Sheffield Wednesday. The one thing that concerns me, and and we've suggested about, will big clubs take it seriously? The one thing that worries me more than that is that clubs who aren't so big, will they take it seriously? That's what I worry about. Is Championship clubs, you know? So Sheffield Wednesday against Newcastle United. Sheffield Wednesday, a club going well. One of the yeah, but, but one of the great. Story clubs in, in, in English football, you know, probably won, the, I mean, certainly won the FA Cup three times, but, you know, way, way back. I mean, way, way back. I can't quite remember the dates off the top of my head, but certainly way back when they won the FA Cup. W- what a great opportunity to play against Newcastle. What a great tie. My worry is that Sheffield Wednesday, flying in League One, I think they're probably second in League One, will they play their first team? That's what really has wound me up at the Cup the last few years, is when clubs are in a championship. And League One rest players for the FA Cup on the basis. I guess they think they can't win it. So, but uh, hopefully not. Hopefully, teams like Sheffield Wednesday will go all guns blazing at a team like Newcastle. Presumably, Oxford will go all guns blazing at Arsenal on Monday night as as well. And listen, we always say about this the magic of the FA Cup. But then, when it happens, the storylines just are, are naturally then naturally evolve, and we'll see some great ties and some um, and some new names. You know, who who may be famous for. A, a brief spot of time, and that's what that's what's great about it.
1: Yeah, one of the many reasons I love Pep Guardiola, and I do love Pep Guardiola, is is that I always think Man City take the FA Cup really seriously. So that's because he's got two first teams. Oh, well, is he? Yeah, but he's you know, he's still, he's still he still he still delivers in the FA Cup and I still think he sort of kind of takes English football seriously' I I'm really, really genuinely mean that. I think he's come here and he's embraced. English football and traditions and I massively respect that I really really do quite apart from this, he's an absolute football genius but I actually think that he's come here and he's embraced English football's traditions by by taking and winning the the two domestic trophies that we have here and that's why seriously I genuinely mean this Guardiola is is a footballing god in my eyes guys I really appreciate you joining, uh, joining it's so nice to see you all and it's so nice to uh get back in the the old routine and I really hope people will join us week in and week out from here on in because it's nice to get the band back together.